Do you have a desire to help others? Are you unsure of how to do that in a godly way? Well, join the Care Pastors as we take a trip over the next five weeks dealing with figuring out the difference between codependency and compassion. This series is entitled, What's Your Motivation? Compassion or Codependence? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Care Ministries podcast here at Brookwood Church. We are so grateful that you are here with us once again. We are on week four of our series entitled, What's Your Motivation? And we've been looking at whether uh, the things that we do when we care for others is based on true biblical compassion or is it based on codependency? My name is Josh Masters. I'm the Associate Care Pastor here at Brookwood Church, and I am joined by several other fine gentlemen that I'm happy to have in my company. The first is Gene Beckner. He's our care pastor. Hey, Gene. Hey. And also with me is our marriage and counseling pastor, Mr. Doug Wildman. Hello, Mr. Wildman. How you doing? Good. I'm glad that you're here. And of course, without a microphone at the helm is yes. our magical producer, Hardworking. Hardworking Alex Hammond. Possibly part of the hardest working groups. He, yes. Yeah, he's in, one of the hardest working songwriters yeah. in That's the upstate. Word on the street. That's, That's true. <laughs> but today he's producing our podcast, yeah, so we're grateful. Easy. We're yeah. grateful for that. He doesn't have much work to do. He's just hitting a button. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so w- as I said, we're doing our What's Your Motivation? And in week one, we sort of gave a definition of the difference between compassion and codependency. And we encourage you, if you haven't heard that, to go back and listen to episode one of this series. Uh, So that's the difference between compassion and codependency. Then in weeks two and three, we sort of dove in and looked at what is our secret desires? What are the desires that are false needs that we turn to for when we're trying to help people and what our actual motivation is. So we talked about things like the need to be special or the need to be successful or to keep the peace. Uh, We talked about nine of them. So you can go back and listen Mm -hmm. to those. And so what we thought we would do this week is we would look at some biblical examples of compassion and biblical examples of codependency. So let's start with a bad example. There are actually in the Bible a lot of examples of dysfunctional families and dysfunctional relationships. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit hard to choose, but we wanted to take a look <laughs> at the family of Isaac and Rebecca and their two sons, Esau and Jacob. There's some mm-hmm. really codependent and unhealthy relationships going on in that family. And their story primarily is found in Genesis chapter 25 and Genesis chapter 27. So do you want to start with that, Gene? Yeah, I'm actually going to start at the end. Um, And in Genesis 27, verse 1, um, and the the headline says, Jacob steals uh, Esau's blessing. Uh, But there's more to it than just that. And I'm just going to read the first 10 verses, and then we'll kind of discuss what's happening in here. One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son, yes, father. I am an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. There's all kinds of stuff right there, which we could say, you know, he's vulnerable and he's in a, you know, he's in a place where, um, you know, he's wanting his last wishes to be carried out. Right. So you would think there would be a lot of compassion here and there would be a lot of um, love 
And it's a simple request. He says, take your bow and a quiver full of arrows, go out in the open country, hunt some wild game for me, prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. Now, you know, you can hear the music in the background. That sounds really sweet. It sounds like a good moment between the oldest son and his father. And it's pretty clear, you know, he's like, hey, I just want you to go prepare my dish and then I'm going to bless you. But in verse 5, it says, Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for wild game, she said to her son Jacob, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal, and I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats, and I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. Wow. Yeah, so we've got some problems going on. Yes, we do. Yeah. So first of all, there's a problem that you didn't read because it's in chapter 25, but it's worth stating that there's some favoritism going on in this family. That it clearly states that Isaac loved Esau more than he loved Jacob. And Rebecca loved Jacob more than she loved Esau. So they're already angling for position even before this occurs. That struck me as so odd. I can't imagine having the thought that I love one of my children more than another. Well, I love one of you more than the other. I won't say I won't say which, but so I, I get it. But even in that, you see the dysfunction between obviously Rebecca and Isaac. Things must not be well there because Mm -hmm. she's going against what his last wishes are. And then something's going on between Rebecca and Esau. Yeah. Because she's willing, you know, and and as in the Old Testament, as as serious a thing as the blessing that came from a father Mm -hmm. to the eldest is not, you know, it wasn't light. And then, obviously, her relationship with with um, her son Jacob. Because even in verse 11, Jacob tries to tell his mother, you know, Esau's hairy and I'm smooth. What if dad, what if father touches me and he sees I'm trying to trick him? And then he's going to curse me. And she kind of gets mad or she gets excited, I guess, in, in verse 13. Because she says, let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out and get the goats from me. Yeah, but what Jacob doesn't say is... Mom, that's wrong. The right. blessing belongs to Esau, and right. we should really let him have it. He doesn't right. say that. Right. He says, I'm worried we're going to get caught. How are we going to get around this? Right. Which is a very different attitude. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and I think if you look uh, back at what we talked about the previous two weeks, you know, some of those dysfunctions, some of those codependent um, patterns are existing here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could easily say, you know, mom's need for control is popping mm-hmm. out. Maybe some of her need to be needed, you know, and like you said, um, Jacob right. is not standing up and that's hard to stand up to a parent, you know, but still like what you just said saying, Hey, this, you know, this is wrong. Um, you know, and, and what's the relationship? And we know the relationship between him and, and Esau is not perfect either, mm-hmm. you know, but that doesn't mean that our relationship, the relationships have to be perfect, but with something as serious as this being willing to just, throw out protocol and decorum. And obviously, this is not something that God was pleased with either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And then when he goes through with it, 
he, you know, he lies, you know, in yeah. verse 19, he says, I'm Esau. So we have a child that's willing to steal from his brother. Right. Steal everything from his brother, not just like a Tonka truck, like take everything <laughs> from him and deceive his father. And maybe worse, we have a mother who's training her son how to deceive her own husband, right. the child's father, yep. to steal from her other son. Right. Ends justifies the means. The ends justify the means, or that's what Rebecca thought anyway. Right. right. Which again, I think is is that tells us more than what the words say on the on the page mm-hmm. about the the dysfunction of the relationships. Um, that reminded me of um, Eve and Cain. You know, when when Eve had eaten of the apple and God came and said, you know, hey, what happened? You know, even in her description to the serpent about not being able to touch the fruit, she adds things to it. You know, she lies. She added some things. You go back and look at it in Genesis. When Cain is confronted by God about having killed, you know, his brother, he adds things to it as well. Mm. So it's interesting that that can be passed down, and that is something that is caught and taught. Yes. You know, it's both. And so, you know, and, and we know that even this story... You know, there's a lot of damage to relationships because of this. And and again, that's, I think, the part that one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is, is that we're trying to help one another out of the these dysfunctions because they could have been learned in the family. Mm-hmm. They could be ingrained in us. They could be as natural as breathing, you know, because yeah. this seemed to flow pretty quickly from Rebecca. It wasn't like there was a long time between... You know, Isaac telling Esau what he wanted and, and Rebecca jumping in and saying, Jacob, do this. I just overheard your father and your brother. It almost seems like she was waiting for her opportunity yeah. to mm-hmm. seize control. Yeah. yeah, she had already thought through it. I mean, the reality is that any of these people that we read about in the Bible would would have these hidden motivations. It's just that these are the ones that really kind of stand out um, in the narrative, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, but... People always talk about all the begets in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And like one of them that's unwritten but is clear is codependency begets codependency. It does. They Absolutely. just pass it from one generation to the next. And we see with Rebecca and Isaac that they pass it on to Jacob and to Esau. Yeah. And that carries through their relationship long after yeah. Isaac and Rebecca are dead. And then mm-hmm. it goes on to their children. Yep. yep. And it just keeps going and keeps going until, like, we have our own codependency here that we've inherited. So there's lots of examples like that in the Bible. But obviously, the best example of how to have true biblical compassion Mm -hmm. without any codependency is Jesus. He's the only one who fits Mm -hmm. the bill perfectly. Mm -hmm. There are other examples of people doing well, but not perfectly. Right. So Jesus is our example of what it looks like to have true compassion without any selfishness, without any codependency. And I think and no we, compromising either. And no compromising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, to to have a backbone because grace is not without a backbone. Right. And so looking at all the examples of all the places that Jesus showed compassion and there are many I think we all agreed that one of the best examples of caring for someone with compassion but good boundaries Mm -hmm. was his interaction with the rich young ruler. Mm -hmm. And that is found in the book of Matthew, Mark, 
and Luke. Um, but we want to look at Mark because mm-hmm. Mark has a detail that's very, very important to the story mm-hmm. that the other two authors don't talk about. So do you want to talk about that first, Gene? Yeah. Um, you know, Jesus is, is teaching, and um, I think it's in uh, Mark 10, verse 17. Uh, you know, the, the rich young ruler comes, basically is like, hey, what do I need to do to inherit life? And, you know, Jesus says, well, here are those commandments. You know, you need to honor your father and mother. Don't cheat. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. You know, he says, hey... I've done all those things. And then in verse 21, you know, there's this pause almost. You can feel it when you read it. When you really study it, you can feel it. And I encourage if you're listening to to go and, and do that. But it says, looking at him, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Hmm. And so we talk a lot about motivations, you know, and that's part of this podcast, or intentions, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jesus is intention, his motivation is obvious before he speaks this. Mm-hmm. And you would think, if it's genuine love, that he would say, come, exactly. I love you, you're yeah, let, accepted. Let me give you a hug. Yes, let I me accept g- you. Yes, let me give you a hug. I accept <laughs> you just the way you are, you know. But he says, there's one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. You'll have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. That's hard. You yeah. know, and if you think about just what we just talked about with the backbone, grace with the backbone, he said it with love, he said it with humility, but he also said it with conviction. He's like, this is what you have to do to follow me. Mm-hmm. And I would say he says that to all of us. Yeah. There's something that he is saying to us to say, this is what you need to do to come follow me. And it's not always sell all your possessions. No. It's whatever it is right. that you put above him. Yes. What is the idol in your life that the you idol. put above following Christ? But he gave him the hard truth. He didn't soften it. Right. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like, well, you're a newcomer, so I'll wait a few weeks. Right. He said, I love you. Yes. With his eyes. I love you. I have compassion for you. This is the reality. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then verse 22, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had many possessions. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought, okay, this is where he runs after him and brings him back. But he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Jesus then talks to his disciples and talks about how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. You know, he talks about the whole camel through the eye of a needle, and, you know, there's some description about that. And, um, you know, the disciples, well, who can be saved? And that's when Jesus says it's humanly impossible. So that whole interaction Mm -hmm. is something that in today's world, people would say that Jesus was being unfair, that he was being unloving, Mm -hmm. that if he really loved this guy, he would have taken him just like he was, and like you said, he would have hugged him and he would have brought him in. But see, Jesus doesn't need to be needed. Jesus right. doesn't need to control. Jesus doesn't need to be successful. He's not against anything. He's perfect. And so when he says it and he does that, that's perfect. And there are some people who are listening to this are going, I could never do that. That's because those motivations and those intentions of codependency are coming up because it's making you feel uncomfortable. 
But if you can get to a place where you truly have compassion for someone and you truly love someone, then you can say anything that needs to be said without a selfish ambition underneath. Mm -hmm. One thing that kind of stands out uh, to me is that Jesus's identity was completely Mm -hmm. um, wrapped up in his relationship with with God, the Father. You know, he he said... uh, See if I can find this here. John chapter 5, verse 19. I tell you the truth, the Son of God can do nothing of himself. He only does what he sees the Father mm-hmm. doing. Whatever he sees the Father doing, he does. And so, you know, his identity right. was secure because he was recognizing that his source was not himself, mm-hmm. but it was the Father. Nor was it someone else. Nor was it someone else. So he else. didn't need to worry about what someone else thought of him because he knew what the Father thought of him. Exactly. Yep. Right. And he and had experienced that. He had experienced it. Right. He had been with the Father. Right. And that was real to him. So he didn't need to seek those things somewhere else. Right. There were no idols. There were no idols. And that's a hard one because people would think that it's not an idol. But if you need to be needed, if you need to be successful, if you mm-hmm. need the accolades, if you need to be special, if you need to be successful, if you need to be whatever... And that is more important to you than God, than you have an idol. Yep. And that's what he was saying to him. This is what Jesus was saying to the rich young ruler. He knew that the possessions were in the way. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's why his face fell and he went away sad because all of his true uh, devotion was to his possessions. He had kept the law. You know, going back up to the beginning, he hadn't committed adultery. He hadn't murdered anyone. He didn't testify falsely against anyone. He didn't cheat. He honored his parents. Yeah, he clearly wasn't at the Sermon on the Mount, or he would have realized that he had actually failed at all of this, but he felt that he had legally followed them. But his heart wasn't in the right place. His heart was not in the right place. It would hardly be a loving thing for him to say nothing if he knew that there was something that was getting between him and, and the Father. But how many times, and we could probably talk all day about this, but how many times, I'm going to hit the parents, how many times do we see parents get in the way to try to save their children? You know, they spare them the consequences of their bad behavior, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, whether it's legal or in school or whatever, instead of going, you're going to have to deal with these consequences, and I love you. Mm-hmm. And I will be with you, but you have to deal with these consequences instead of, well, as a parent, I'm going to absorb those right. for you. Right. Because you're right. Jesus could have said, well, I know that uh, you know possessions mean more to you than God, but yeah, come on. Well, then he's not God. Yeah. Know? That's exactly right. So the other thing that I wanted to point out that I think that is important is that Jesus's wholeness— his lack of brokenness allowed him to say the hard things. Mm -hmm. But it also allowed him to get down in the mud with people Mm -hmm. when they needed to be pulled out of the mud without him being affected by the mud. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite moments in the gospel is in Matthew chapter 8. It's at the very beginning, the first couple verses of chapter 8, when a leper comes to Jesus And the man with leprosy sees Jesus, he's heard of Jesus, and he comes up to Jesus and he says, I've heard about you, Mm -hmm. and I know that if you're willing, you can heal me. Mm -hmm. And then in verse 3, it says, Jesus reached out 
and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Mm. And what is so powerful about that is that he touched the man. Mm -hmm. He didn't have to touch him to heal him. But Jesus knew that this man needed a compassionate Mm -hmm. touch. And leprosy was a disease where people had to wear bells and Mm -hmm. claim that they were unclean and live outside the city because it was a dangerous, dangerous disease. There's no one but Jesus who would have touched a man with leprosy. Mm -hmm. But Jesus could have just stepped back and said, you're healed. Instead, he reached out while the man was still infected and said, I'm going to touch you because that's what you need. So when you're whole, when you come to a place of being whole, maybe we can't be as whole as Jesus, Mm -hmm. but like Jesus, then you not only can say the difficult things, but you can walk into the infected areas of someone's life without becoming infected yourself. Mm. And that is such a powerful lesson of compassion versus codependency. Very much so, because I've seen commentaries on this, and um, him touching him is not what healed him. It was the words, Mm. you know, because, of course, he is the logos, you know, he's word. So, like you said, he knew in his wholeness that that's what this guy needed as well. So Mm. he gave him the human touch. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because even when Jesus heals the man with the withered hand, he does the same thing. He says, stretch out your withered hand to me. And Jesus heals him mm-hmm. by bringing the broken stuff out into the open. And Jesus isn't afraid, like you said, to get down in the mud, and he's not going to get contaminated by it. you know. And it's interesting that we're talking about this because a lot of times when I do care ministries training, I have to tell people, hey, when somebody is, is hurting, you may want to reach out and hug them and offer condolences, but you have to look at yourself for a moment and go, am I doing this for me? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because most people are like, no, I'm not doing that for me. I'm doing it for the other person. They're hurting. They need this and this and this. And I go, okay, well, how do you feel when that person's crying? Well, I feel bad for them. Okay. Do you believe that God is the one who will do the healing or is it going to be you? Well, it's obviously God. Okay. Are you willing to let God be the decider of how that will happen? Mm. Well, of course. Well, what if he says, don't touch? Let them continue to cry. How do you feel when someone's crying uncontrollably in front of you and you can't control the outcome? You can't stop it. Yep. And you see people getting very uncomfortable, and I mm-hmm. go, that's the place God wants to touch. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I have a reputation that I don't think you should hug anybody, and I just like to say for the record, that is not the case. (laughs) But if I'm doing it for codependent reasons, Mm -hmm. because I'm comforting myself, because I'm uncomfortable with the pain, and I want it to stop, Mm -hmm. then my motivation is wrong. Yeah, Right, and you might be interrupting a moment that they're having with God. Absolutely. If God is speaking to them or working through them, and you go over and give them a hug, that interrupts that moment. Now, there are moments when that is necessary, and Mm -hmm. you need the discernment for that. And, of course, Jesus had that perfect discernment. But we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Oh, there's Josh's There it is. is. Um, Like you said, we need to look at our own motivation Mm -hmm. before we go.
So to summarize a little bit, codependency really is based in a selfish desire. When you're helping someone else, mm -hmm. but for a selfish desire. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you've got to dig down to find that. Right. Whereas true compassion, as we've seen from Jesus in these passages, is motivated only by love for the other person, gives you the ability to speak difficult truths, mm -hmm. and gives you the ability to go pull them out of the mud without you getting dirty. And I think next week, we're going to look at some tools, right? We want mm -hmm. to talk next week about, well, we're not Jesus, so how can we assess our own personality? Mm -hmm. How can we assess where we are? And then maybe talk about some tools that will lead us to more healthy, caring relationships. Yep. Anything you gentlemen wanted to say before we wrap up? Any closing thoughts? I just... As I was reflecting on the life of Jesus, he was not afraid to be a nonconformist, mm -hmm. but he was also didn't feel the need to be a nonconformist. Mm -hmm. yes. You know, he was um, he was most concerned about people being connected with God the Father. Right, that was his sole motivation. He didn't have a need for anything, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I I think as we draw closer. Uh, to the Son of God ourselves, we also can experience a, a freedom from selfish desires as well. Yeah, where we can point other people to the Father right. instead of exactly. to ourselves. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, let's pray for that. And then Absolutely. next week we'll look at some tools on how maybe we can move closer to that. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity to be together. We thank you for whoever is listening to this podcast episode and we ask that you would be an encouragement to us and to them. Teach us to be compassionate in the way Christ modeled. Strip us of whatever it is that makes us selfish in our interactions with other people and teach us how to love people the way that you love them. Teach us how to see people in circumstances through your eyes instead of through our own. And I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us and strengthen us to move in that direction. We give you praise in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Care Ministries podcast from Brookwood Church. If you'd like more information about today's topic or you need support, you can call us at 864-688-8355. You can also learn more about Care Ministries by visiting www brookwoodchurch.org slash care. And make sure to check out all of our upcoming events and support groups on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash brookwoodcare. We'd love to be an encouragement to you as we walk together in a healing relationship with Christ. Until next time, God bless.